You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Pogues, it's good to be here, even though, what does it even matter? It's, you know, life is just like this series of of, of just sideshow, uh, uh, you know, characters just sort of dancing in front of me. I mean, we're all going to die. I mean, everyone's got cancer, so it's just like, what's the point of like a podcast about comic books you know yeah welcome to our comedy podcast sorry we just did ghost world and daniel klaus has really bummed me out <laughs> yeah yeah a movie with a an ending which is apparently very uh like de- derisive because i was reading reviews where people were like does she kill herself and i was like wait what that's how that movie ended uh, uh here's a funny thing before i introduce uh my guest for the for the evening on this episode where we were doing ghost world uh, is Daniel Klaus's response to people asking him, was that suicide at the end, was, wait, what? Yeah. He was like, yeah, I guess, if that's what you want to think. Uh, and I was like, that's a terrible reply. Anyway, we watched uh, Ghost World, the comic book adaptation of the Daniel Klaus film, from director Terry Zweigoff, who you all know from uh, uh, Bad Santa. So, of course, uh, with that kind of uh, background, I had to get, uh, well, podcast guest all-star my wife hi i live upstairs i was gonna say i feel like when you were like so for this movie i got the one person who's legally tied to me and has to say yes (laughs) well look as we just oh sorry real quick before we start the episode proper um if you listen to our mini so pogues and i um came upon a miraculous discovery and that we both know a lot about uh gilmore girls Mm -hmm. um which of course we're going to talk more in our podcast uh, give me more Gilmore. But do you? But um, but <laughs> it was discovered uh, after recording that I made a reference to the Independence Inn, mm-hmm. the um, the inn that I claimed was what Lorelai had opened up when she opened up her own inn. No, no, no. no. I was wrong. She opened the Firefly. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Even Sarah's wrong. It's the Dragonfly. Oh, oh that's uh, <laughs> uh, The Independence Inn was where she worked before she opened her own There's inn. There's a fly. Also, uh, the, I, I so, can't let you take all of the fault. I referred to Rory's uh, on-again, off-again baby daddy as Lucas, and his name was Logan. I was informed by our friend James, whose wife listened to the podcast and was deeply offended by our mistakes. Yep, that's also fair. Um, the, in fact, the only correct statement during our little Gilmore riff was that, of course, it took fucking way too long for Lorelai to finally confess her love to Luke. Uh, is it Luke? It is no, Luke. It's definitely okay, Luke. Right. And it was too Luke, many seasons. Luke Steiner. <laughs> anyway. Bullshit. That's... Also, the Netflix remake was garbage. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll, of course, save that for other podcasts. Lorelai, don't mind if I do. But uh, we are we are here. <laughs> we are here. <laughs> we are here to talk about ghosts. My wife is giving me a serious head shake. I... I uh, <clears throat> You can't see me, but I'm joining your wife. (laughs) (laughs) We are here to discuss, uh, of course, Ghost World, which is adapted and released in, or released in 2001. Actually, weirdly released at a film festival, um, and not, like, worldwide. It's Uh, not that weird when you see it. For for quite some time, uh, or for, like, at least a year or two. Um, It was directed by, as we said, Terry Zweigoff, who, if you listen to the the mini-episode, you'd know has extremely strange uh, filmography, which includes... A documentary on the artist R. Crumb, uh, this movie, Ghost World, the movie Bad Santa, 
Art School Confidential and no other films. So um, he stopped working for like very... eighteen years. <laughs> He's very discerning. He's in his extremely taste. discerning. Every quote, if you look up like quotes by him, most of them are like fucking Hollywood. Like he's yeah, just he's not like making movies uh, in Hollywood. And Terry, as someone who's not been in Hollywood but has watched at this point, I think coming up on a hundred comic book adaptations, I might be with you. Yeah, there's uh, been some stinkers. <laughs> Oddly, uh, I mean, so, it's sort of weird, though, that this is, like, the second movie by these two we've done. <laughs> when you really think about it, he has such a small, small filmography, and somehow we've hit both the films already. It's maybe the only podcast that has two episodes about a Terry Zwagoff movie. Uh, based on probability, I think I'm correct. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Unless you were doing a, a podcast on just his filmography. The strangest thing about this adaptation as we get into it is that um, most of the time what we see is an artist works really hard to create something. They put lots of thought into it, many episodes and issues. I mean, uh, and eventually they commit to selling the rights to some studio and the studio like talks to them once about it in like a boardroom and then makes tons of changes without their permission. <laughs> and then makes that League of hate. Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then makes League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. In this film... Uh, Daniel Klaus worked right alongside with uh, with Terry Zweigoff to do the film, and for much of the beginning of the movie, just used his own comic as basically the script. Like they literally say entire lines, whole pages worth of lines without edit, uh, and then they just decide to um, do what we call a Buscemi aside. But we'll go ahead and, and get yeah. to that. No, no, no. You're talking about a Buscemi aside. <laughs> no, that makes it yes. sound like the act of killing a, a, a Buscemi. <laughs> I mean, yeah. isn't it Regicide. that? I mean, technically, yeah, this movie is <laughs> kind of the regicide of Bushimi's career. Regicide. Uh, yeah, th- this movie is definitely, like, an odd film for, one, the fact that Steve Buscemi looks like he hasn't aged in 27 years. But it's also... It's those deep, deep-set eyes. It is. Uh, he, like, he becomes the love interest at one point in this movie about two just freshly 18 year old girls and it's really kind of odd when you think about it super odd especially since considering that there is no such storyline in the comics. yes his character doesn't exist in the comics there is no character the emotional the the emotional tension in the comic comes from uh the character uh uh who is who's who is such a backseat character that i forgot is josh josh who's Far, who's working at the convenience store in this in this one uh, in the film? Uh, where, where again, as Pogues pointed out when we rewatched, rewatched the trailer, the uh, the karate the karate uh, redneck is who is also a character invented entirely by the uh, adaptation. But what the point I'm getting at is like Josh is the the hinge of emotional tension in the comic, and he is written right out of this movie. He like, is right I, out I, along with the other I felt woman. Very yeah. Disappointed that Josh. I get that. Oh my, I have their names. Rebecca Scarlet Scarlet Johansson's yes. character. I get why she kind of like took the back burner eventually because she she wasn't playing that same fucking weird game that Enid was. But I feel like Josh should have been more like present in the movie. Yeah, like the th- they just like kind of threw him in there and then we're like, ah, bye, Josh. Yeah, because like eventually the movie just sort of becomes about Enid and Steve Buscemi's character's name. I don't remember. Oh, Seymour. And it's just, like, really weird because you look at the trailer and you look at, like, the poster and everything, and you're like, oh, it's a movie about... And they, like, build as, like, two girls graduating, like, 
deal with becoming yeah. adults. And you're like, that's not really the plot of the movie. It's a story of one girl who just is kind of like a dick to everyone and some old guy that she eventually sleeps with grossly. Yeah. Also the just because the worst spooning I've ever seen in my life. The, 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 so go ahead. Ben when Ben first approached me about spooning? possibly doing this yes, about spooning, I don't spoon all I'm a big spoon. That's, we'll yeah. get that. We'll get that out there. I also like the phrase "approached uh, you" as if we don't just coexist. Like that sounds like if I had to like come to your office and be like, "Sarah, you, you did." Sarah, yeah. hi. I have I, I have those pages for the new I, the new podcast. I, I picture it's more like she's like brushing her teeth <laughs> at night, and you like are like. Um, I was just wondering if like maybe if you're available and in town tomorrow, would you like to do a podcast? And she's just you mean she comes out she comes out of the bathroom and I have the projector and the and the, the PowerPoint up on the wall. <laughs> Like maybe if I have time, sure. I can... <laughs> you can pencil it in. Yeah, thank you. She's like te- oh. she's pretending like she's texting someone, but really just like she just has her calendar app up and there's nothing on it. Ooh. I might have the day free. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyhow, he asked me um, and then prefaced it by saying, "Hey, I know that probably every girl has seen this movie that like is this what, is, that is not my this phrase. is something that i feel like most girls of a certain like <laughs> i i hope he did not say that personality would have seen not, and loved not right I, this is even worse if this, this is like divorceable no. statements no what i said uh, uh generally was that when we did girls our who episode, work in libraries definitely saw this when we did, uh, well, one, I had uh, I had a few people contact me, uh, a, a few women contact me about doing Art School Confidential, uh-huh. uh, one of them being Jess, who did the episode. Which, yeah. if you have um, not listened to that, that is a great episode, and it made me so glad that I never went to art school, because she tells a bunch of, like, disturbing stories about art school. Before you go on, Ben, I do want to make you aware, you do know the term few means more than two, right? Yeah, fair okay. enough. Um and when, when we did Josie and the Pussycats, we just went ahead and did it. And only later did I learn this was a uh, a, a cult hit with many women that I was unaware of. Uh, and you I found people I... who enjoyed that movie. Many, many. Really? Then we need to redo that episode because I'd love to hear and someone explain to me why they I, like it. I agree. I regretted not having someone who would have appreciated this movie. Someone so, not Seth. Would I? Would I? <laughs> someone not Seth. Someone would, who would wasn't recognize... like me just watching it to see Rachel Lee Cook. <laughs> What I recognize is that there's a whole like often sect of movies that um, that were that struck a chord with teens, uh, teen teen men, uh, teen boys, and teens and teen girls that I am unaware of. So I was trying <laughs> to assess whether or not this was one of them, but my wife phrased it that way, which is like, "Hey, you're a woman. You must have loved this movie about you're a female women. gendered person. <laughs> You've seen this film because it has girls on the poster." I was just trying to do my due diligence. Um, but anyway, I am still happy to have something other than Pogues and I's uh, uh, extremely similar <laughs> opinions about various films. Um, even though this one's not so much about it. Uh, Are our opinions that similar? Because mine seem to always be negative. <laughs> that might be it. Uh, this movie, which which appears to be uh, the comic, which is about two teens experiencing a fracture in their friendship as they both uh, 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 determine p- paths forward and leave their former lives behind. But instead, and hijinks ensue. The movie that we watched was mostly just uh, two teens quipping about how the world sucks, followed by a really uncomfortable romance that included not just 
not just unbalanced ages, but also a weird racist uh, uh, iconography subplot. <laughs> Yep. There was like um, there was like so much just like bizarre like the guy who was like a Nazi and kept making fun of her for being a Jew. I was like, why is this in this movie? Like it doesn't fit any. And then he just disappears and shows up in one other scene. And I was like, I can this guy like get some comeuppance for being like a, a racist Nazi? But no, he's just really in this show for like five minutes. But he he's also from the comic. That's the thing. Any character that feels like they just got dropped was because they were in the comic. Yeah, but it's just sort of weird to include them in the film and then, like you said, just focus so much on this one character they made up and this bizarre romance, which I don't, I just don't understand the romance. It made me feel very, 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 so, very uncomfortable. Well, let's talk about... Let's go back to what I was saying where Ben asked me about a female perspective, which I was being kind of a dick. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... I remember knowing about this movie. I definitely watched it when it first came out. And based on the trailer that we just watched together, as a reminder, because we prepped for this episode like yeah. a week or more ago. Yeah, we're a little, a little behind. Um, it looks like a movie that you would like. Like, it looks like a, like, there's gonna, it's gonna be edgy, but it also looks fun. Did they kind of feel like it was like, This uh, movie is not that. It felt like they were trying to sell it as almost like a, I, I think, although I think it came out beforehand, but like a female, like, leg. Super bad? Or mall rats. Because like, that's like at the, bad, like the same time yeah, frame. The super bad. Yeah, you're right. Where it's like these two inseparable characters who are, Which like, yeah, like are, super are bad. barely in the movie together. And yes. Scarlett Johansson feels like she's on. I don't know, like, Nightquill the entire time. Like, she just seems like she doesn't want to be there. Or maybe that's just the way it seemed to be, but, like, they cut to her and she'd be like, yeah, you just don't like anybody. It's because she was, she was, like, the only sane character. Yeah. Well, yeah, Enid, Enid is far more outspoken and eccentric in the comic, and Rebecca is equally sarcastic and sardonic, but more of in, like, a, a reserved way. You know, she's not putting on, like, the, you know, the, the gimp mask She's not dyeing her hair punk and doing all the kinds of outward speak, you know, outward gestures that Enid is doing. She's much more reserved. She she socializes more. She tries to convince Enid to go to parties. You know, she's a little more um, a little more involved in the traditional social life of a teen. Uh, so I guess Scarlett read that as um, is uh, 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 post post brain surgery. I guess is what that ended yeah. up being because yeah, like somebody who's and always on not... Percocets or something. And I don't have anything against Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I've seen her do wonderful yeah. work in films. I, I just, this... She, this was not one of those times. Well, this was her first movie ever, well, right? No, it's not her first movie no? ever. Uh, okay. But it's... it's, it's it, it, it also feels like the, her character, like... I wonder if she, like, took the role and had read the comic and then was like, oh, and then she got the script. She's like, wow, I'm really, like, written out a third of the way through this movie and I just appear a couple of times. I should point out, this is the first movie in her filmography that i recognize so it, it, it probably yeah. one of her first major roles yeah well i remember when ben and i were watching this i said something similar like i said that she seemed like she was really like out like she wasn't there she was kind yeah. of acting very flatly but then she got to the point where um thor birch's character what what the fuck's her name enid, mm-hmm. enid yeah starts like really fucking up and she like kind of goes off on her and they fracture yeah, early, like when they, and they never repair it. Yeah. 
when they fracture and like she tries to like repair it later on like she yeah. goes back to her like i thought that was pretty good acting because they're exchanging dialogue and emotions with each other up until like the third up until the penultimate page of this of the comic in the film the film runs the gamut of the comic almost all the way within about the first 30 minutes. It does the scene with the Satanists that they see at the diner, mm-hmm. uh, who they believe are Satanists. It runs with the weird guy who brings the tapes. It runs with a couple of the things with the porn shop and stuff. Mm-hmm. And But Josh is the center conflict of a lot of like their sort of you know friendship tension. And then, then it ends with her departing on the bus. But in the comic, they eat that entire, like, runway in the first 30 minutes, and then it just moves on to, well, now this character that was not a character in the comic, which is the, the guy at the diner that they trick into coming uh, because of the personal ad, becomes the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's... It, I, I could not really... I don't know. It was just such a weird storyline. And then after I watched the movie, when I looked it up and they were like, well, he's kind of like an amalgamation of like three characters, but none of them are love interest. And they all sort of like disappear in the story. I was just like, it just seems so odd to be, this is going to be the center of our film is this weird relationship. So much so that we start following his character without the two girls. <laughs> and we, yeah, that's where it, it, it became weird to me. It was when we cut to his date and I'm, I couldn't figure out why we were watching it. It just didn't make any sense. And they I'm, put they put Eden in the background as if that makes it better, but it doesn't. Yeah, it was so bizarre. And then, yeah, I don't know. the The storyline was just very confusing. To, and then the end what? just went off the rails like really quick. Was American Beauty after this? I, I, yeah, I, I think believe so. so. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, I can double check. Because um, I feel like this is like very much in the same vein as American Beauty. No, yeah. American Beauty was two, two years before. This. Two years before. Wait, oh. this movie came out two thousand one. That's correct. What? <laughs> that's that's correct. Guys, so... I gotta start looking at the IMDb for these movies. <laughs> like this movie to me was in the same ballpark as American Beauty. As have you ever seen Welcome to the Dollhouse? No. I will. What year was that? I watched it. It probably fucked me up in some small way. Well, and this is what the trailer is that there are moments in this film, especially the latter half, which, by the way, um, in reading about this, uh, like I said before, when we started, is is uh, Daniel Klaus wrote the script for this, like like as they were filming it. He he was putting the road down as they were filming the scenes and driving down it. But always um, a good sign, a very good sign. But. Uh, so all the stuff that feels good to traction really isn't. You know, it's really the writer doing more and working with Terry. Uh, but there are scenes in, like, the latter half which feel like what Hollywood was hoping this movie was going to be. Like, when she's working at the movie theater uh-huh. and she's being sarcastic with people and she's at the coffee shop and she's complaining about how people and customers are. That felt like a real sort of, like, you know, early 2000s sort of, like, angsty teen movie. The beginning is stilted by all the dialogue that they're just copy-pasting out of the comic. And the end is, like as Pogues pointed out, the movie's entire focus shifts to a character that was originally not in the movie for the first half. And also it appears for like two seconds in the trailer. So if you saw this and you were like, oh, it's a movie about two girls experiencing life, and then you get there and you're just, here's 20 minutes of a 45-year-old man on a bad blind date. It's just weird. (laughs) Yeah. 
And Sarah, I just looked up Welcome to the Doll the Dollhouse, and I see similarities. <laughs> Is that the one where the girl's like sister gets kidnapped? No, um. It is where a young girl who's nerdy um, is being bullied by a boy and he tells her he is going to rape her and were to meet him to rape her and she goes and he doesn't because he feels bad, but they form a relationship. It's real fucking weird. Yeah, that's the one. Doesn't like her friend or somebody she knows gets kidnapped in Times Square or some shit? Okay, I'll, I'll I'll look it up and see. But I'm pretty sure that's the movie I'm thinking of. That's like '95, right? Square. Anyways, '95, uh, yeah, yeah. But but see, but, I thought I, this I, movie I, came out in 1995. Ghost World. It felt it, so '90s. It has it has a Gen X sort of like. Well, that's because the comic came out in the '90s. True, and, I think and it's made by a man re- who, even in recent interviews, still thinks it's 1994. <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Klaus is definitely like a Gen X comic guy, and, and you can totally feel it. It's that sort of aimlessness. Ne- ne- neither of them has any interest in like pursuing a career. Even the one that's more put together, Rebecca, is just trying to be a little bit more mature. You know, make enough money to have an apartment. She's not necessarily like hungry for like a career or some future or a family, or at least as far as we can see in the film. Yeah, in the, the film, comic, no, in the comic, that's like sort of the driving wedge, and she ends up with Josh at the end. I think they get married, don't they? Isn't that how it ends? Yeah, the, their relationship evolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get the idea. Uh, there's sort of like a time. Do they get married? Uh, well, I think it's passes. like kind of set up that they're, like they're gonna they're getting close and stuff. I don't know if they actually get married in the comic, but yeah, that's sort of how it. And then Enid leaves like they're she seen, does in the movie. They're seen eating in the diner together, and she's like a little more put together. And then Enid departs on the bus uh, uh, with her one suitcase. Oh, the suicide bus. The suicide bus, which or in the... the in the comic, I don't believe is from an abandoned bus line. It's just an actual bus that take goes. It's out an of actual town. bus. Yeah. <laughs> like she just gets on like the twenty third bus or whatever, you know, and just rides to uh, Jersey. Because, like I said, there's so much in this movie that's an exact copy. Even um, at one point, they go to Josh's apartment where they are attempting to hang out with him. He's not home, and they leave a note for him where it's something like we, we we talked about before we started recording. Where they leave a note, something to the effect of, hey, Josh, we came to see you. We wanted to fuck you, but you weren't here, so I guess you're gay. Sincerely, like, Tiffany and whatever. Like, they made up names. Um, that's the exact note that they leave in the comic. And uh, the porn star sequence, actually, where they, they, they go there with Josh. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca is mad that Enid went there with Josh because she has a crush on him. They both talked about going to the porn store together. Uh, but again, the movie has written Josh out, so now this happens with Seymour. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's yeah, such a weird twist. So, I don't. I. It made me so uncomfortable. But again, like, it made I. It made me uncomfortable because I personally would never ever have thought of doing something like that when I was that age. But Enid's trying to rebel, and I don't know. Yeah, I, originally I thought it was supposed to be sort of that she felt sorry for him, but then as it went on, she's like so mean to him and like kind of like forcing him to do stuff. I was like, oh, maybe I misread because I thought originally that was supposed to be the point. Was like she felt really bad that she had done that prank on him and pretended like she was his misconnection person. And I was like, oh, she's trying to make up for it by being nice to him and trying to give him confidence. But then as it went on, I was like, I'm not sure why she's doing this. It just seems like she just thinks, hey, it's weird. I have a friend who's an old man who's really lonely and constantly talking about wanting to die do you want to hear the breakdown of it sure i can give you the breakdown that's what this podcast is for um so let's play the sound effect breakdown (laughs) 
Enid is trying to rebel very obviously. She dyes her hair bright green. She does the whole punk thing, gets a leather jacket and Punk's stuff. Dead. She used to get a reaction from her friend. Mm-hmm. Rebecca doesn't give a shit. She says, like, what are you doing? So she's out of high school. She doesn't have the same people around that she used to get a reaction from. Her dad doesn't give a shit because her dad thinks that she's just a normal human being and doesn't care what she does. Yeah, the, the most so, accepting father in the history of <laughs> fathers. Bob yep. Ballard, my man. She starts out feeling bad for Seymour, and then she finds her audience in him. Oh, right, because that makes sense, actually. Because outside of high school, they don't have anyone, they don't have an audience for their rebellion, right? She's not going to impress Rebecca by doing any of her her, her, her Yeah, and you acts. can only really rebel when you're in high school. Rebecca doesn't you get out, give a shit anymore. Yeah, people don't care, you're just weird. People don't care. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, you're right. And that, uh, uh, that eventually she needs an audience. She finds this person whose life is very buttoned up. She finds a quote unquote father who will work here <laughs> if she rebels. Yeah. Who apparently she also fucks. So, ugh, gross. Yep. That's and very true. Again, just the worst spooning I've ever seen in my life. He like lays his head and... on hers. That would be the least comfortable way to try to sleep. <laughs> Come on, Steve. Um, but another interesting thing about this this film that we haven't even touched on yet is that there's also an entire subplot that's invented around her going to art school. There that's are not in the comic. No scenes. There are no scenes of her in summer school in the comic. Holy there is no art teacher. Smokes. I assumed that that was like sort of because I actually looked up. I was like while I was watching the movie, I kind of checked out towards the end. I was like, was her character in Art School Confidential? So I started like looking it up and then like. By the time I found out she wasn't, they revealed in the show she didn't get the thing. And I was like, well, I guess I could have just waited the five minutes to find out. But Yeah, there's there's not even, there's not even like, a, a subplot where she even is interested in doing art. Like, there is, there is, there is no... Well, I mean, Ben, all edgy teens sure, all who edgy wear teens short are skirts are artists, Folks, right? as an artist, does this check out? Were you an angsty teen? Oh, yeah, she in the short, short skirts. skirts. <laughs> all the time. And I do not um, have the legs for it. Yeah, the the woman who plays the uh, the art teacher uh, yes. is Alina Douglas. Yeah, like if you've ever uh, seen an episode of Seinfeld, you saw every person in the background of this is like one of those yeah. things where it's like, are you an actor in New York? Well, then you were in Law & Order at one point in time. Yeah, Alina Douglas, who uh, is in like everything and yet you would not recognize yeah. her unless you looked her up for a picture. Um, she plays the art teacher she uh, oversees her frustration and she's still in school, which is like a different take because, you know, in the comics, all about that sort of like weird zone where they're, they haven't firmed up plans for the future, but now they're untethered from, uh, from high school and they're 18 and like everything's in front of them and they've got no plan. So to send her back into school is a weird choice. Yeah, especially because her ultimate goal for being there is she's going to get that art scholarship. Which, well, it becomes her goal once it's announced to her. Well, yeah, like, if she's going to get it, like, which her whole, like, oh, I'm just, like, I'm just going to hang out, I'm going to get an apartment with my friend, like, that just kind of goes out the window with that. It almost seems like a pipe dream or, like, a, I don't know, maybe this is what... Is it Daniel Klaus? Or? Daniel Klaus, yeah. Daniel Klaus. Maybe this is what he wish would have happened to him. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is sort of obviously 
Daniel Klaus is a different experience than two teen girls, but I wonder how much of this is his experience, like, trying to find his way, uh, and I wonder how much of the new material that he wrote into the movie was also from that source, because, like I said before, like, it feels like three tones. The beginning is really sarcastic and really almost grating. I find it kind of grating at the beginning. Where they're yeah, because they're very unlikable. Very, yeah, they, they, they took all the scenes where they are their most sarcastic and they just sort of, like, stacked them up together. And so it makes the characters really unrelatable, like, out the gate. Mm-hmm. Then it shifts into a, a period where it's kind of a little bit more funny and loose. You get more of, like, that weird redneck guy. You get the you know, the movie theater stuff. And then it shifts into, like, yeah, like, a weird backwards romance. Which and I then... can only imagine because he was involved every step of the way. Right, yeah. Telling what like helping with the story i wonder at what point that they were scripting out the book and realized that they didn't have enough pages to fit yeah that's what i I wondered if like the studio came to him and they're like you know you can't make a movie that's just like a series of like vigilance you know i mean like you can't just take like uh like you do in a comic you know he can just write like little one-off stories that don't go anywhere and no one's gonna be like this is weird because that's like the comic you're reading but in a movie you can't really just have like a series of unrelated events with no central story so I wonder if they were like, well, write a central story, and he, that's what he came up with, and I don't know why he was like, oh, she bangs an old man, and there's a racist chicken company. Just seems like chicken a weird, company. like, yeah, and I was and like. Maybe Daniel Klaus banged an old man, or a lady, I don't know. And, I don't know his sexual preferences. And worked for a racist chicken I mean, chicken in the company. interviews I've seen for him, I think his sexual preference is Daniel Klaus. Uh, <laughs> I think you might be right. He also, um, but, there's oh, a, there's a video I... Ben sent where he's like showing around his apartment. And if you showed it to Sarah, I think she would instantly be like, yeah, he wants to paint it Because <laughs> he just has like a bunch of like sad clown statues. And he's just like, I like these. They're funny. And it's like, mm, that's, this is a warning sign. Have you watched the TV show, The Good Place at all? No, I have not. Watch it. You'll, you'll get it. Um, anyhow, the entire time I was watching this movie and feeling the visceral, like, ugh, I, I, I feel uncomfortable, I don't like this, it reminded me so much of Catcher in the Rye. Really? Even the story kind of reminded me of Catcher in the Rye. Enid is uh, Holden Caulfield. Huh. I'd agree with that. I... They're both very unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it both deals with that, like, over, over-exaggerated angst of, of like, a life, like... N- oh, yeah, he sleeps with planned. an older woman in that book, doesn't he? Yep. Oh, shit, Sarah. He tries to get with a prostitute, too, and gets... Tries to reconnect with people. It's like... Yeah. I feel like this is kind of... little bit of like a reimagination of that i don't want to say it's like straight like translation but sure i'm, I'm sure there was a there was a, a an inspiration to do the comic that way because again the comic isn't especially at the beginning the comic isn't that different but what, what's happening in the comic is that many of the harsher like them dunking on somebody or just sort of griping about society or something those are interspersed with like a little more human moments of them like um the satanist thing is really funny to me in the comic because they see the satanist at the at the at the diner and they see them later and i can't i don't know if this is in the movie they see them later at the grocery store 
and when they see him at the grocery store, uh, uh, Enid decides to follow them and see what they what the Satanists are buying. And when she when she sees what's in their cart, she can't stop laughing, and she calls Rebecca over, and their cart's just full of Lunchables. And she thinks it's the fucking funniest thing in the world. There's also like just like goofier moments like that that are in the book. But those are all sliced out just to get all the harsh teen teen angst in. And yeah, like 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 we all agreed a moments ago, it's it's much it's much less likable and harder to get through uh, than I think the book was because I still like the book a lot. But I the would have loved to have a scene choppy. with like Satanists getting lunchables. Yeah, right. That's that's that's, that's that. and what's funny is when the movie does start to wander into like being a little funnier, um, it it. It, it, it can't stay there for very long before we gotta watch Steve Buscemi uh, fuck something, which is weird. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, none of us can get past that. That whole I, thing I just, just made me very uncomfortable and I did not like it. Um, I was just checking my notes. Yeah, my notes could not be more worthless. <laughs> just says, like, this girl's really mean to her dad. Did her dad just put a bunch of jelly on a bagel? Those are that's what I'm writing down, guys. Those are accurate notes. And her dad, I wish I, I should definitely do a side by side here because the dad in the comic is. I, I don't know if Daniel Klaus used Bob Ballard as a like as an artist inspiration for the comic dad because it's it's a one to fucking one. It's it's perfect. Um, but I think post as I've been talking about it, I've I've also agree with both of your statements that there is. That there is it is a bit of like a super bad at some time because it is like two teens like like uh, uh just like where the stakes are so low like super bad is a full movie about two guys trying to like uh hook up at a party that's it mm-hmm. it's the whole film and it's so low stakes but they focus on like the minutiae and the weird characters of the world that they're in like the people they got run into the liquor store the weird party they go to it's all this sort of like all the weird characters they, they drag into the story and make that movie work. But also what Pogues is, uh, was saying, you know, is also accurate. Like where it's about, uh, it's about almost nothing. <laughs> and it's about these characters, like trying to find like a path to get onto. Well, yeah, like I definitely appreciate a movie about that, about nothing. If this movie had just been about Rebecca and Enid, finding their way and maybe they ran into Seymour and no one fucked him. Maybe he was like a weird old guy friend they saw on occasion. Yeah. Josh was in there more and there was more like actual real life stuff. Like it feels very pointed and weird. Like this either has to be like someone's like real experience that's like crazy. Or this is just like something like unprecedented. I have no idea. Yeah, it was just like while watching it, I could not believe the shift to just from the beginning of the film. And I start like when I got done watching, I was like, man, that was an entirely different movie by the end. It was just very weird. Um, But and this is the reason why. I had this conversation. If you look up this film's response, especially um, among ladies, audience response, uh, yeah, especially audience response, it's really well received. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it four out of four. Well, we've, we've learned to <laughs> not to trust yeah, no, Roger I know. Ebert. 
Rotten Tomatoes has like a ninety-two percent. Uh, anytime where there's like a, a, a an individual like like a user reviews, it's pretty high. Like people are really partial to this movie, which is why I was trying to find who this is for because to me it's a cult hit, and it's I, I recalled seeing it. And I didn't find it to be that way. I didn't think Pogues would either. So I was like, can I find someone? that uh believes this movie and i uh i wasn't able to <laughs> yeah well, i mean speaking as a woman i don't find this to be a cool hit i i would urge you to go watch welcome to the dollhouse okay i haven't seen it for a few years now but <laughs> i remember it being me. disturbing and horrible but also i would say it's a great movie like I, I don't know. Well, what I'm confused by is that when one of when the when a movie we cover is has like an 80 or above on generally on like on review sites, like an eight out of ten or an 80 or above or whatever it may be, um, one of us tends to see the merit. Usually me because I'm the more positive one. What are <laughs> you talking about? Better, I'm always upbeat. But I'm basically, Steve Buscemi's character. Let's face it. <laughs> This is a case where the movie confounded me and Pokes and also our guest. <laughs> so well, I don't I mean, know. If I had to give this movie stars, <laughs> yeah. I would give, give it. Give it stars. How many stars? Like, what is out it? Of, what? Out of 10. Just doing math. Just working real hard on this one. Like 7.15. That, you, went, you went two decimals? Yeah. <laughs> you have two decimal precision on your reviews? Yeah. Wow. Shit. Pogues, uh, get on her level, decimal? bro. What? Can I get three decimal precision from you? Uh, I would say like a six point nine two five. Six point nine two five. I don't know. I might. No, I think I'm right there between. I'm right. I'm right there in that in that zone with you guys. Yeah, I mean, somewhere I, around like. I will say like I did not feel at the end like I was being dragged through watching it like some of these movies. Yeah, for sure. I, I did Wait, not real go... quick. Give me your three decimal between me and Sarah. Because there was not a lot of room. <laughs> well, just, just point... I think I'm, I think I'm like point... I'm, I'm like point three oh five more than Sarah. Uh, oh, interesting. More, more than me? Yeah, I think I'm a little more positive about the movie, despite my constant rattling that I've been going on to for a while now. I gotta say... Really upsetting uh, that that when you look at the sorry I was scrolling through the IMDb. Uh, really upsetting that the number one keyword for this is a full keyword that just says older man younger girl relationship. Yeah, no. Oh boy, this, that's a whole this, subset of movies. On this this one, was huh? another reason why this went a little bit farther down on the the Sarah me. the Sarah three point scale. Yep. Um... I mean, you don't, when you're younger, you don't really know about the fact that there could be some men who are into younger women, unless you are, in which case you shouldn't be aware of that. And I really don't like how this movie portrayed those types of relationships, because in this one, in, the, in this movie, she is the aggressor. She's the one who wants to be in the relationship, but that's definitely not always the case and i feel like this well, kind i don't of even think she, that she, a i don't even think she wants to be in the relationship i think you kind of are right she just wants someone to care and yeah, she's, she, well, she's she, looking she, for that sort she of she goes after it seymour isn't the one trying to like fuck her like she 
she tries to fuck him. And I feel like this normalizes that a little bit. That it's okay to, like, be in a relationship with someone twice your age. And that's not really okay. I don't know. I'm sorry, I I got distracted with reading. I'm I'm, I'm hunting reviews to try and understand uh, the point of view of someone who considers this, like, passionately considers this to be a great film. And... It's a lot of people recounting this being like a movie that helped them when they were a teenager. So I also wonder how much of this is not landing because I liked because we're Ghost like World fucking old and bitter. Yes, I liked Ghost World as a comic when I was a teen, and I guarantee you, as I said this in the mini episode, I saw this as a teen, and I read Catcher in the Rye as a teen. I hated okay, both of them. Fair I also I hate mean, Catcher in the Rye. I think it's super overrated. I just want that on the record. I mean, you can't beat some of these reviews. Like, it's not Daria, and if you don't get it, don't I'm, bitch. I'm high-fiving you over the, the <laughs> yeah, internet Yeah, folks. super far air high-five. Fuck Catcher in the Rye. Oh, it's right? garbage. Like, I've never wanted a character uh, to kill himself so much quicker than they did. Some of this, this these reviews really kind of frighten me. Uh, just, just a quick pitch, not that I want to get on another podcast bit, but... Uh, the character Enid was almost a mirror image of how I was feeling at the time, and now when I watch it, I see her as selfish. Uh, I, I now see myself as Seymour. Uh, no, no. Myself being a somewhat excessive compulsive collector, and also not uh, able to get on with 95% of humanity. I really, I am really nervous with anyone who empathized passionately with seymour i I think i think if you empathize with like a person who is just like down and out and kind of sure yeah yeah, but if you're like i really the way he befriends a teenage girl and spends Uh, a large amount of time alone with her in his apartment i could really identify as a 45 year old man i too collect racist paintings from chicken places (laughs) One of the great moments from the uh, the later half, the the uh, the added on half from the comic is there's a scene where uh, Enid and Rebecca attend one of Seymour's parties, and all the fucking bachelor like lonely like vinyl collectors that he's hanging out with, who are like one of them like having a like holier than thou conversation about the equipment that one of the other guys is listening to his records on. Yeah, that talking about felt- how shitty CDs are compared to vinyl. That felt exceptionally real because when you're when you're with people who have an, an extreme passion like that, that is a that is a wonderful like uh, a parody of that kind of conversation. And there are like other parody moments in this because uh, during some of the the Sunday uh, Sunday school summer school moments, um, the teacher explicitly makes lots of cutting remarks about animators and illustrators. Yes, being being idiots, which is Daniel Klaus clearly taking a run at himself. Well, so I like, feel like there's... that might have happened if he went to art school, which I'm assuming he did, based on the other comic he wrote. Right. I, it, like, especially in that time, yeah, being like, I'm in the comics is here? not something. Yeah. In Chicago? What's that? Did he go to art school here in Chicago? I believe he did. He's, Dan Klaus is a local. He's one of he's one of ours. And uh, that's, you just want to hang your hat on that? As I, as I, as I joked about it in the uh, mini episode, uh, Dan Klaus is a local... Uh, so much so that I've I've skipped on going to like four of his signings where he's just been he's he's just signing all the time and it's like right at where like I like commute home and I skip it every time because that's who I am. But uh, I do have a cup I have a I have a couple of Daniel Klaus books um, uh, 
uh, in my collection. So I, I, I love his work. I mean, uh, uh, I do think he's more someone who spoke to me when I was younger, but this movie did not speak to me that efficiently at all. Uh, but I think if I could watch it, any of the three movies this movie decided to be, like if it had picked any of those identities, if it was hyper serious and kind of depressing, um, that would be fine. And if it was sort of like the goofier comic that I think Hollywood hoped it would be, uh, comic film where, you know, it's more like the middle of the movie, that'd be fine. And if it was like a super serious, like intense take on like, you know, two, two very opposite people but also both social outcasts having a relationship, I'd be willing to see that too. But it's none of them. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like I mentioned both the movies it is earlier. It is American Beauty and Super Bad, like smooshed <laughs> yeah. together uh-huh. into this weird amalgamation. Yeah. No, I I, I think I think you, I think you're right. I think you're probably right. Uh, no, I think you're definitely right. Uh, uh, but what's confusing and i guess this is probably a good time for it is if someone asked you should i go see ghost world because i wonder how much i would like it if i was just experiencing all the scenes for the first time and not being like ah that's that scene from the comic but it's out of place i wonder well, if i, I never like... read the comic and i can tell you you wouldn't have enjoyed it anymore <laughs> <laughs> all right fair enough sarah would you tell anyone who has not seen this movie to go see it well yeah you would i don't hate this movie i gave it like a seven out of ten she does make a good point um this movie if you've never seen this movie i think it's a movie to see like i have my own opinion on it other people might have their own personal opinion which is perfectly fine and you should have that but also i would point out that i love the office but I hate the episode where Michael has his little, what is it, Michael's Tots? Or, everyone, uh, everyone. Scott's Tots. <laughs> Scott's Tots. Nobody can watch Scott's Tots for sure, yeah. There's a little bit of Scott's Tots in this, but there are good parts too. So you're saying like, there's like, there's moments that are so, that are so like, uh, that provide so much anxiety and cringe, and kind of cringe element that you can't get through them, but... There, there, there are parts. Never where so much I that it stops this, you from watching. I like kind of had the car and I was like, "Oh no, no, no! Don't do that! Don't do that!" Oh, you did it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't not finish the movie. I think I would. Too. I think I would too. I think it's just so weird. It's so eccentric that even though it's even though like I've said a couple of times now that it's so it has an identity crisis, I I find it so eccentric that I I, I can't not probably recommend it to someone um pokes i think you might have a different take uh it depends like i would say if you saw art school confidential and you liked it i'd say watch it um if you're into like angsty comedies sure but i would not just like if somebody was like hey ghost world i i got it for it's free on amazon prime should i watch it and that was like all they said to me i'd be like probably not just because what? I think it's, it's it's such a specific film that if it like that's not your cup of tea, it's going to be a horrible watch. I didn't hate it. Like I said, I actually was surprised that by an hour in, I wasn't like, oh, well, when will this be over? I mean, this this review right here has the same take we all have. Uh, I watched this film yesterday, and what an amazing film it was. Although I wouldn't recommend this film to anyone, I still think it's a masterpiece. 
Yeah, that's I like I I see parts of it that's that so I enjoyed confusing. and thought were like, yeah. interesting and I liked Steve Buscemi's character and then I thought it was like like I did not think when you told me that he was the love interest I was like Ben there's no way that's right Ben must be remembering this movie wrong <laughs> and as I'm watching it I'm like no he's not like a love interest she's just like hanging out with him because she thinks it's funny and it's weird and you know his like constant overreaction to every like thing she says. And then all of a sudden, it's like, they fuck. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, this is such... I did not see this coming. I really thought it was just going to end up being something dumb, you know, where she stops hanging out with him or something stupid happens. And I kept waiting for Scarlett Johansson to come back into the movie, too. So, yeah, I, I, up until the, that point where I was just like, wow, I don't, I don't know how they're going to get themselves out of, like, this corner. And then the weird bus thing. I thought the same thing. And also, Thora Birch was more famous than Scarlett Johansson back then. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, I just thought it was so weird because, you know, like, I, all I knew about the comic in the movie was the poster for the movie. And I had seen, like, the front of the comic book, which is mostly the two of them. So I just assumed the movie would be the two of them. And the trailer makes it, you know, seem sort of, you know, like you said, like a super bad or... I thought this came out, like, close to when Mallrats came out. That's why I said it seems like a female-led Mallrats. But I, that's what I was expecting it to be, was, like, more of a comedy of, like, these two teens who were, like, rebels in high school adjusting to growing up. And But that's really not at all what the movie's about. It's sort of just a, a girl who just doesn't want to grow up, but then, I don't know, it was just such a weird twist at the end I, I the bus thing to me is very confusing at the end i did not think she killed herself till i saw all those people asking but i could not figure out i was like where does an un like an out of service bus go and i guess most yeah. people thought that meant to hell and the only other person who took it was the old man so yeah it was confusing. i don't think that it's that weird to think that it's death yeah but i did not think that at all i was like oh the bus line and i guess i wasn't paying attention because a bunch of people were like well it's on a it's a out of service bus and i was like oh the bus said out of service like i knew the bench said out of service or whatever but i was like huh okay and then Uh, i mean i apparently the guy who wrote the movie had the same reaction i did when people (laughs) asked him but yeah so uh, oh go ahead ben a couple a couple of amusing things uh that i had dug up uh through some basic uh, some basic research that i'm pulling up now was that um (laughs) was that uh this never occurred to me did you ever hear um enid's full name it said isn't it enid coleslaw that is correct do you know what that is yeah coleslaw it's a dish of like cabbages oh it's an it's an anagram of daniel klaus's name oh yeah i think i do remember reading that and they said they changed it because they had like a like a very jewish sounding last name and they ch- i think there's like a whole backstory as to why her name is something so ridiculous yeah uh it is also revealed that um there really was a chicken chain um based and named like the one that i don't really want to say on the podcast uh uh in real life and it did not make it into a, a becoming a real chain it, it died in the 50s but that was a chain and it had like the uh, racist the- picture and everything not that picture specifically, although it had maybe a, a similar one, because the one in the film is drawn by uh, R. Crumb. Oh. For, for the film. Uh, as is a m- much of the... You get a brief look at Enid's uh, like, like, like art diary 
you know, that has like mm-hmm. pictures of, of she drew of, of Seymour. Uh, that contains lots of drawings again by R. Crumb, by R. Crumb's daughter Wait, Sophie Crumb. And seriously, the, a couple the guy other. who wrote the movie, who was the comic book artist, didn't do those. I just assumed he did. Yeah, he, he, Daniel Klaus did a couple of them. You can see them pretty prominently. But the, the, there's a lot of different art styles in like the her book, and they're, that's because it's drawn by like three or four different like prominent. Oh, prominent not her artists. different personalities. Yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> one of her personalities was an old lady, and that's the one that slept with Seymour. So it's cool. I I did earlier. Uh compare this movie to Catcher in the Rye, but when Ben brought up the... Can you bring up the poster again one more time? It kind of reminded me a a little bit, just because of the green, I guess. Um, Peter Pan, perhaps? What? A little bit of Peter Pan in there, not wanting to grow grow up. up. Oh, I see it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Alright, this this must be a different... uh... I'll be honest. Can I... Enid is Peanut, Peter, and Rebecca is Wendy. So who's Captain Hook? You know. That's oh so no! <laughs> I I never noticed that the tagline for Ghost World was "Accentuate the Negative." Not a great tag. It's not catchy. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that's uh, going to wrap final... up our our. Ghost World, unless anybody had anything else they wanted to get to real quick? No, I just I just love our podcast, which is often 45 minutes of slams, and then we give it a 7. <laughs> yeah, somebody the other day actually said something to me. They were like, you guys are like really harsh to movies, but then in the end, they're always sort of like, yeah, you should see it. And he was like, why is that? And I was like, well, you are aware it's like, it's not a real review show. Like, you shouldn't really necessarily be coming to us for hot takes on whether or not you should watch films. Part of it is just comedy. And how great... Being very critical. Oh, yeah, well, I'm a super critical person for some reason. Uh, but yes. I mean, I, I am too. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying we're being critical. Oh, you guys yes. are kindred spirits. I, that's true. I feel very bad for Sarah. <laughs> because I'm like one record collection away from being Seymour. Look, I started my podcast and my marriage with the same personality. You're ready oh, no. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that does it for the, uh, the podcast, obviously. For awkward um, reveals about how Ben feels about his co-host. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Well, that'll be it. Uh, come back next week. We'll have our mini episode where we'll tell you what movie's up next. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at It's Pogues. Uh, you can follow Ben on Twitter at The Disco Pony or The Strange Log, his comedy Twitter. You still do that, right? Yes, I do. Okay, I haven't logged into Twitter in like eight years. Uh, That's okay. Sarah, is there somewhere you would like people to go, or do you want them to leave you alone on the internet? I want you to go to ALA.org and learn about libraries. There you go. That's a, that's also, a good, good link. figure out what your local library is and just fucking go to it. Oh, shit. I agree. Fucking call out. Unless you live in, like, a weird backwater area where there's, like, no one there. Which, even if you do live in a place like that, you probably have access to a library. And you can probably even download e-books or e-audiobooks to your phone. And you never have to walk into the library. So just do that. There you go. A helpful and smart tip. 
All right, and we'll... sa- saves money. There you go. The library is the best. All right, well, we'll see you guys next week. That's it. No. We're going to do Bad Santa next. <laughs>